In a darkened auditorium, Dr. Lee Hux lectures into a mic'd headset. Stage lights obscure the audience, while behind her a giant screen projects the One Corp logo, spinning in three dimensions, the horned serpent and oval. It turns and turns as she paces. At the end of the last century, with the aid of technology, social engineers, behavioral psychologists, sociologists, tech gurus, envisioned we could create a utopia, a new Eden, wherein humanity could reach its full potential as creative beings endowed with reason, part of a globally connected community, each a productive member of a consumer-oriented society which would seek to maximize their happiness and provide for the necessities of life a new world order. Still, there was the threat of nuclear war and communism, but we proved more able than the Soviet bloc and restored the world following the devastation of a half-century of war, harnessing the destructive power of atomic energy, landing on the moon, smashing subatomic particles at the speed of light, extending human life and bringing infant mortality down, not just in the first world, but the world over. Furthermore, we created the internet, and with it, global connectivity, births, instant communication. Yet with all this fire, with all of this technology, man is still alone. And often, that separation, that alienation, that smallness of the isolated ego finds itself in stifling contrast with the social order. Columbine, Virginia Tech, Parkland, Las Vegas. As she is speaking the names of mass shootings, images of the perpetrators and scenes of the massacres are shown on the screens behind her. We find Kaczynski's hiding within the Waldens of their own seclusion, harboring delusions. We discover teenage killers wallowing in the vomit of their own loathed identities, taking vengeance upon the world on our school campuses and in our movie theaters, on our streets, in our workplaces, and in our shopping malls. Jihadists who mistake the magic of Disney World for a place of godlessness, chauvinists who cannot tolerate difference, social deviants and mentally unstable delinquents, sexual predators who stalk women and wait for children outside playgrounds and on internet message boards, perverts, terrorists, miscreants, pedophiles, fundamentalists, ideologues, sociopaths, and business suits. The human mind can be a prison, a poison preventing us from our higher selves. How can we be sure of our neighbor? How can we be sure of ourselves? The question arises, can we allow this to go on? Or do we have a moral obligation, a Promethean obligation, to do something about it? Screens register a video of a young boy hitting another and then pulling a girl's hair as they are playing with blocks. The boy is seen struggling with a caregiver trying to contain him to correct his behavior. But when he is given a bicolored blue and red capsule, the boy begins playing amicably with the other children. He smiles, and Dr. Lee Hux, with a tablet standing nearby watching, adjusts the boy's aggression levels remotely. On her handheld device is a neurological mapping of the child's brain and hormone levels. We must expel these monsters from the human mind before they are allowed to spill out onto our communities. The perpetrators of such incidents tend to be lone wolves, socially marginal people who pro-offer an unequivocally violent reaction to make up for their meager existences. Part of the problem of the modern age is in recognition. Those unable or unwilling to attain it solve the dilemma violently. The deviant answers the problems posed by freedom, that of self-creation, by becoming the acts they commit, thereby ridding themselves of the terrible weight of becoming, solving the existential riddle by cutting the Gordian knot rather than untying it. Thus, the one who murders becomes a murderer, the one who rapes a rapist, 
the spree killer and avenger of sorts on the society that has turned its back on him or her, the fundamentalist, a believer. We have scorned off the coasts of utopia and crashed against the jagged rocks of human irrationality and unpredictability. We at OneCorp offer our solution. We call it Ether X. Dr. Hux holds between her thumb and forefinger the bicolored blue and red capsule. The OneCorp logo flashes back onto the screens. Sitting on chairs before a table facing the monitors are Alasia Banks, an African-American woman with dreadlocks and a black business suit. Beside her, a very large, muscle-bound man dressed identically, wearing sunglasses, snores. T.J. Firth's face is a province of scars, burn marks, and indents. A Middle Eastern-looking man in his 50s with circles under his eyes, Salim Masalam, is overseeing the video presentation. <coughs> <coughs> You are both to fill out thorough non-disclosure and non-liability documentation. When the metallic door slides open and Vanessa Langston, a woman in her 40s in a business suit, walks in. Thank you for coming. Here's what you need to know. This is the largest lab and testing facility of its kind on the continent. We employ over 2,000 staff on site alone. Furthermore, we run a manufacturing plant in the East Wing. OneCorp is the world's largest supplier and producer of pharmaceutical drugs on the planet. We have contracts with all branches of government, not just our own, including the military. The facility houses in its basement one of the largest catalogs of biological and virological samples on the planet. Needless to say, some of what gets done here has restricted classification. Now, given your professional backgrounds... Banks formerly with the FBI and Firth, with the Marines, and then Blackwater, I'm sure you can appreciate the discretion involved in handling a delicate situation. 